Hello and welcome to Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories. This is the podcast where I sit down with a special guest to share their inspiring story, journeys and thoughts along the way. So sit back and enjoy. Today's podcast is all about baby loss and is in recognition of Baby Loss Awareness Week coming up on the 9th to the 15th of October this year and every year. Focusing on pregnancy loss today, the heartbreaking reality is that it affects one in four pregnancies in the UK. Regardless of this being no fault of the mother, we still stigmatise it and conversations surrounding it are still to this day hushed. Not only that, the grief the women go through is often minimised or misunderstood by others. Hopefully, this podcast will help break down the stigma surrounding miscarriage and pregnancy loss and open up the lines of communication so women no longer have to suffer in silence, blame themselves, feel shame or to feel isolated. And this is only possible with the help of our wonderful guest, Vanessa Robertson, who shares her experience with us today. I have known Vanessa for exactly eight years now and we have been through many ups and downs together on our friendship journey. I feel privileged to have her in my life. And here's the show. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming into the podcast studio today and for being so bold to do this. Hopefully we can help spread awareness of baby loss and miscarriage with your shared experiences. It's in honour of Baby Loss Awareness Week, which is the 9th to the 15th of October. And I'm sure we will help someone out there who is listening and needs some guidance. So please start by telling us a little bit about your experiences and how did they differ? Hello, Kiri. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to try and help and um, support others, you know, going through or have been through baby loss. So, mm-hmm. um, well, my experiences is I've experienced three losses, so three baby losses, mm-hmm. um, two of them being miscarriages and then another one where it was a rare sort of genetic disorder called Patel syndrome. Mm-hmm. So slightly different because the baby, I didn't actually miscarry the baby but I still had to deliver the baby because it's a condition that is classed as a life-ending condition. So you can't necessarily, you don't know how long, if, you know, when you have that baby, you don't know how long that baby will survive. So you have to make choices um, with it, with that. So that's kind of my experiences of having baby loss. So two miscarriages plus the one that's had to natural deliver yeah well really all very traumatic all of them that you had to go through so then tell us more about what happened when you found out about the baby with Patel what what was his name Sunny Sunny yeah Sunny Ray um so what was his condition again and tell us more about it and what options did you have then when you found out about Sunny's condition yeah so he had um like I say a very serious rare genetic disorder that's called Patel syndrome mm-hmm. um it's caused by having additional copies of chromosome 13 and um this can affect some parts of the cells but or it can affect the whole of the body cells so it depends mm-hmm. on the degree that you that child has and it's difficult to know you know we will actually know until the baby's born of what 
how much it will be affected. Yeah, the severity of yes. the condition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's known, the actual terminology for it and the technical term is called trisomy 13. Right. So it will affect anybody, well, any. it's not, because it's quite rare, it affects in the UK around about 2 in 10,000 people can be affected by it. And it is, like I say, it's where the chromosomes, they produce three copies of your um, chromosome 13. So it kind of is one of those things that randomly happens. It doesn't mm. mean there's anything wrong with the parents. Right. So there's no health conditions necessarily with the parents. They can be completely healthy. Yeah. But it is just a real random thing that happens and takes place once like the, the sperm meets the egg type thing. So it just yeah. kind of happens. The baby, I mean, the effects on the baby will depend on the severity of it. So you might find that they'll be like quite severely delayed, mm-hmm. like learning development will be affected. So they won't learn necessarily the same way as a typical child would. Physically? Uh, as Physically yeah. and sort of mentally. Yeah. Um, health conditions, they can have lots of different health conditions and some of them can be quite serious. So it, may, it might be heart conditions might be things that affect the brain and might be hearing, might be eyesight. So there could be lots of different things that the actual, the actual child is affected with. But again, it will just depend on the kind of severity of it. Yeah. And some babies will live um, maybe a week. Maybe, wow. And then some might live, I think there's been some that are known to live about till five, oh, really? possibly slightly longer. Wow. But again, it just depends on what type of patel. I think you've got one that is the full blown patel, mm-hmm. and then you've got one that's mosaic, um, and then there's another one which is kind of partial. Yeah. yeah so, so obviously, you found this out, was it around 12 weeks, 13 weeks? Yeah, so on my first scan, so my 12 week scan, yeah. um, they noticed that there was a chromosomal abnormality, mm. but at that point didn't know what that chromosome abnormality was. So I then had to go in for a, um, what they call a CVS. Yeah. And that is quite intrusive. So intrusive. It's, yeah. it's a way of them getting into the placenta because that's obviously what the baby is relying on from the, the mother at that point. Um, so it goes into the placenta, it takes a little piece of it out and then they can test. Yeah, yeah. and actually find out for sure, can they? Yeah, what and they can the find out pretty is. much. I, I yeah. wouldn't say 100%, but it's oh, okay. very close to that. Very close. To find yeah. out what that baby's got. So, um, yeah, and that's when they diagnosed him having yeah. that pat out. So the health staff sat down and told you what the situation was. Yes. And then did you have different options for the way forward, what you had to do next? Yes, so... The, um, the staff, I have to say, were absolutely amazing. Mm. They were really, really amazing. So we had um, a consultant that did all of our um, tests for us to, to find out what actual the syndrome was and what the chromosomal abnormalities were. Um, then we had like, midwives that were there to support us, and they do sort of take you off. And uh, the one thing that I didn't really like was that they do put you into this room that's got no windows and everything, so you kind of mm. feel that they're going to tell you something bad. Yeah. But when the lady, so the midwife turned up, she was super supportive. She told us everything. She didn't make us feel that we needed to make a decision there and then. It was mm-hmm. just a case of telling us what our options are. So mm. obviously we could have carried on with the pregnancy and just gone from there. It, we might well have miscarried, you don't know. Yeah. But obviously as the further the pregnancy goes on, the less chance of miscarriage you'll have anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could have gone through with it. Or our other option was to go down the route of termination where you just go off, get the baby terminated, and that's that, that's done. Or you can deliver that child. Wow. So 
we did opt to go down the delivery route. We, the only reason why we didn't go through with the pregnancy, which was extremely traumatic and an extremely big decision to make, was that we we kind of tried to weigh everything up, and we all we already had, and we still obviously have a child now. Yeah, who is eight now, but he was only three at the time. Yeah, so we had to think about our own family yeah. life. You've got to do what's right for you, haven't you? Absolutely. Everyone's going to be different with their own decisions. Yeah. You do have to just make a decision that is mm. going to be suitable for you. So, you know, I completely understand if people wanted to carry on with the pregnancies. Mm. But for us, we just knew it wasn't going to be the right decision. So yeah. we made that call and decided to go down the route of delivering. Yeah. So how was that? How did that go? Was it like a normal delivery? Like you would have a like a normal child to deliver? Yes. So they go, so they tell you everything. So you're not in any, any, under any illusions of anything. So they'll tell you exactly what is expected with Mm. your delivery. So they basically put the child to sleep. So you have to take a tablet, which makes everything sort of stop working. So there's no more blood getting filtered into the the centre, etc. So um, it puts the baby to sleep. And then they'll induce you. So they, we was, we was in pool hospital, but we weren't actually where the, labour ward was right, we were okay. just away from that so you're in a completely separate building that would have been really difficult if you yeah. were in the maternity ward and obviously everyone was going home with a baby and you yeah weren't. so they do keep you separated but yeah. you're close enough in case there's any emergencies and a doctor needs to get to you yeah so there's but they do make sure it's very very private mm-hmm. and then they induce you and it's just a bit of a waiting game but when the when it all starts you go through exactly the same contractions as you would do giving birth to um wow and is it just as painful yeah it really extremely painful and the reason why i think your pain is probably heightened a little bit is because your body is telling you it's not right you shouldn't be giving you know your baby you shouldn't be giving birth at that point yeah so and they do tell you all of those things as well so it's just as painful as having a a normal because you can normally get through the pain when you're having a, your baby because yeah. you know what's coming at the end. You've got this... They still... You can still have, like, gas and air. They yeah. don't... They, wow. they, you can have... Um, is it pethidine as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I've you, had that before. Yeah. Um, just to try and numb everything. But... Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they do say when the baby is delivered, they can't tell you exactly what that baby will look like because... Right. With something like Patel syndrome, the baby can be quite deformed. Yeah. So you just, they do warn you of, of that type of thing as well. So did you see Sonny once he was born? Did you actually get to see him? We and... did, yes. And one of the things that he had, and one of the um, things they do say about Patel is he has a cleft palate. Right. So, um, and we could see that could you? quite Even clearly. Even at such a young yeah. gestation. Yeah, because wow. it was like 15 weeks. Yeah. Um, so we were quite, you know, 15 weeks I mean, we could have obviously carried on and gone a bit longer, but we once you've made that decision, you just kind of have to go down that road and, yeah. and carry on, really. So, yeah, so we knew... So that, that was one of his signs to yeah. show that that's what we had. But everything else, he did look totally... You know, really? Everything else was fine, but they can have um, deformed fingers. You can sometimes get six fingers and things wow. like that. So there's, there are other things that are there. I have to say, if I'm really honest, I probably can't remember if that was the case with right. him. Because... Yeah. It was five years ago, and also I think you try and forget little bits anyway, just yeah. because it's not the most pleasant experience. No, not in the right headspace, are no. you? Really? I'm wondering about those different options, and you did decide to go down that delivery route as opposed to having a more traditional termination. Did the staff steer you one particular direction or another? I'm just wondering whether a termination 
would have been easier on mm. you because you wouldn't have seen Sonny once he was born. What? Yeah, and for some people it probably would be, absolutely. Mm. I think for me and my husband, we had to do it what we felt was the right thing and, and kind of find peace with it all yeah. a little bit. So we felt that we really needed to go down that route. So we had that option of, of seeing him and holding him. Yeah. Even though it was, you know, dreadful and, you know, it causes a lot of upset. But it, for me, it was something I felt like I really needed to do. I yeah. couldn't, I just didn't, it didn't feel right to me just going and getting the baby terminated and that mm. was it, it was gone. But, you know, everybody has their choice yeah. and you have to do what is right for you. But for and me, it was just, I had to, I found peace doing it. Yeah, and he's real, isn't he? It's not like you miscarried and you didn't have a choice. No. You had that choice to make and you made him almost be real, didn't you? And yeah. you acknowledged him, which I actually think is really beautiful. So obviously the staff, you said, were really amazing and really good medically explaining what was going on and yes. gave you all the options really clear way. What about the emotional support and the mental support? Did they give you that as well? Yes, they did. So we were very... Um, there is a charity that is in Paul Hospital, actually, and it's called the Springs Charity. It's there to support parents and relatives of people through baby loss. So, you know, it doesn't just necessarily affect the parents. It can affect the relatives, you know. So, for instance, it, if my son was perhaps a bit older, it might have affected him a little bit more, mm-hmm. or potentially it could have affected, you know, my parents, etc. So it, it, the support was there definitely mm-hmm. if you needed it, and they offered like counselling services. There was coffee mornings so you could go and spend time with people that were had been in a very similar situation. So it, it might not be exactly the same situation, but it was a baby loss situation. Yeah. Um, so that you could chat to other people and feel that you're not alone with it really. Yeah. And they do also have this, what they call a wave of light, where you light a little candle, and that's the awareness that you oh, were yeah, just talking the, about. On the 15th of October, yes, the candle day, isn't it? 15th of October, yeah. yeah. And, you just, and that happens all around the world. Amazing. So you can yeah. light a little candle, and it's just in memory of, of your child, or yeah. your children, because, you know, yeah. for me, it's not just... I know I'm probably talking a lot more about Sunny, but yeah. it's because it was something I really kind of experienced, whereas when you have a miscarriage it's just taken away from you so quickly. It's a very strange sort of situation, really. So, you you know, to be able to have this wave of light and light these candles... Remember them all. ...is remembering them all. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And I did do a walk as well, which is called the Snowdrop. We did that together, didn't we? We took the kids with us. It was was freezing. Yeah, (laughs) February. That's great. They've got all these different events on there to support people. And everyone come together and they know they're not alone. Yes. And they can support each other, which is amazing, isn't it? I actually saw someone from someone from a group that I that I met, a different group, when the, my other child was there, younger. And we recognised each other and gave each other a supportive look. So even things that oh, okay. is nice, isn't yeah. it? I don't think she knew that I was there for you, but it was nice that we had that acknowledgement between us. So you must have gone through so many different emotions and feelings during this time. What was your sort of overwhelming emotion and feeling after Sunny was born? Yeah, so it's a it's a difficult one because you try and be strong, you try and stay strong for everybody else, don't mm. you? Um, but I have to say I did struggle. I struggled quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Just mental health as well. And I think when you've had a child anyway, you're naturally, your hormones are all over the place and you've got a child there. So when your hormones are all over the place and there's no child there, 
it kind of sends you, well, I suppose you do feel like, you feel like you're going a bit crazy. It's probably the only way to describe it. But it's totally normal. Yeah. You know, you don't have to feel that you're not allowed to feel like that because Mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can feel exactly how you want to feel. And if you want to cry, cry. If you don't want to cry, don't feel guilty for not crying. Yeah. So you just have to get your emotions out the best way that you can and how you deal with them. So mine were kind of very up and down, you know, like some days I didn't feel like I could function in the world. And then another day I felt like I was all okay again. And then I would feel guilty because I'd be like, well, how am I feeling okay? Why am I not crying today? Yeah. So yes, my emotions were pretty much all over the place really. No, absolutely. So you had other support as well from friends, family, did you, and other professionals? Yeah, absolutely. So counselling was really good I found that I just did that over the phone so I didn't actually physically go and see anybody but I did it over the phone and they went they talk you through all the different stages of bereavement Mm -hmm. so because there's so many different stages I think think it's about eight or nine different things that you go through with bereavement yeah Yeah. they cover all of those off and it doesn't mean to say that they go in order because they can happen at any given point really but just being aware of them I suppose that these things can crop up during that process absolutely and knowing that it's normal to go through that and at the time I was working, so yeah. I was put into, because I did need, I needed to, I thought I was only going to have a little bit of time off, but actually my headspace wasn't quite there. So, mm-hmm. and my job role at the time, um, I was out, I had, I did a lot of like driving, a lot of traveling. Yeah. And I just got really scared in the car because I felt like I wasn't concentrating because yeah. I'd be fine. And then all of a sudden I'd have this wave of emotion come over me and think about him and, it would, I just didn't feel safe on the road. No. So I did speak to occupational health. They in total agreement with me. They were they were really supportive, actually. Was that a trigger point? Because I remember you telling me that you actually got told the news, weren't you, when you were on your way to work or in the I, car? Yes. You I, had to pull over. So was, was that maybe to do with the trigger? May, do you know what? Trauma? I hadn't even thought about it like that, but maybe mm. it was. And I, When you're driving around because you had that in your head. So I, yeah, because I was told, the lady phoned me to let me know that, that my, you know, he did this and he did have Patel syndrome. Yeah. And I was in the car and I did say to her at the time, do you, I'm driving, shall I pull over? And she yeah. said, yes, yeah. I think you need to. And as it happened, I had a colleague in the car with me, yeah. so she could then drive the rest of the journey Thank home. Goodness. Because I don't, I definitely been able to get us home. I don't think no. if that had been the case. So maybe that is the trigger. Maybe that was why I struggled getting yeah. back in the car. And there's a certain services that I was at, and every time I pass those services, yeah. I, I bet. and I've never stopped in them since. No, Can't bring myself to stop in them. No. It's really strange, isn't it? And I know that they're coming up, and I go. I'll go to the next one if I need to stop. I just it's almost going. like now you need to go to those services, don't you? And like have a cup of tea and almost yeah. sort of make peace with the services. services. And it's not the services yeah. fault, but I just feel like I have to go past them and, you know. I'll go like, for a cup of tea oh, yeah. there one day. Um, so, yeah, work. That must have been a real struggle because obviously you, I remember you sort of planning your maternity leave. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll finish work at this point and then I'll, you know, you have this time off with the baby so then to have to then go back to work, that must be really difficult. Mm. Do you get any extra bereavement leave, any extra support when this type of thing happens? Um, I didn't. You probably can, um, but I felt, I, I kind of did feel like I needed to go back to work. Right. Not for me, but because 
I felt like the managers and people were saying, when are you coming back? When are you right. coming back? Oh, okay. So I felt like, oh, I'll have to go back. I'll have did to go back. Pressure. So I did feel a little bit under pressure, actually, yeah. to go back. And I probably, I'm not sure it was, I did go back at the right time because I didn't, you know, people ask you so many questions. Yeah. And, you know, they ask you if you're okay. And actually, you have to say yes, don't you? Even though you don't necessarily feel okay. Yeah. Um, and then you don't necessarily want to talk about it. So... Yeah, I probably, I don't know. I felt like I needed to go back to work because it makes you concentrate on something else. But also you've got the added pressure of people asking you questions. Yeah, and, and people don't know always what to say. No, they? exactly. It's finding the right words. Do you wish there was something they did say or actually didn't say when you went back to work? I know that some people sometimes say, oh, it's just one of those things or... He was only 15 weeks and yeah. did you get any comments like that? Hopefully not. You you do get the odd comment saying, oh, you know, it, you, you, it will be okay, which mm. yes, it is. As time goes on, it does get easier, but you'll never, you always, always like have them in your mind. Yeah. So every day, pretty much, I will think about Sunny. There's not really a day that goes past that I don't, but I, I find that you do, it gets easier. So I am much more accepting of what's happened now, whereas I probably wasn't necessarily accepting of it two or three months later and down yeah. the line. It's still, you know, it happened in January and by March, I know I was still not in a very good place. Yeah. And I was definitely back at work by then. It's just having that acknowledgement though, isn't it? Because yeah. some people say certain things and that's nice, but if they acknowledge it, that I remember yeah. you say, actually saying about your friend at nursery. Yeah. And she didn't actually say anything. She just gave you like this body language yeah. sort of signal she to just say she acknowledged me. Yeah, yeah. what and you were going through. Absolutely. And that was probably the best. She'd read me completely right. Yeah. Because she must have seen me, think, it looked at me and thought if I speak to her, she's just going to break down and cry. Yeah. So I knew that she was there yeah. and I knew that I could have rung her any time or spoke to her at any point. But at that particular time, she'd read it just perfectly to yeah. say, I'm here for you if you need me, but I won't talk about it now type yeah. thing. So, yeah. And at work, it just, people just carried on as normal. However, yeah. there was another girl at work who'd had a very, had exactly the same situation that happened as well. Right. And her way of dealing with it was straight back to work. She yeah. didn't take any time off whatsoever. She just went straight back in. I wonder if she talked about it with people or whether she, her way of doing it was just to sort of, Kind of push she it to pushed one it to side. one side. Yeah, yeah, she did, and she said it took her a long time to get over it, but she pushed it to one yeah. side. That's probably worse because then it's going to be a longer process. Yes, really, and it actually it? it did take a longer time. And yeah. her, even her manager at the time had said to her, "I think you need a bit of time away." Yeah. And she was like, "No, I don't. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going." So her way of dealing with it was just, "I, I need to keep working because I'm it, not thinking of it." Is it miscarriage that people struggle to talk about, or do you, there's lots of things that people do struggle to talk about? But um, why do you think people suppress feelings so much when they're going through these traumatic events? Why do you think they push things to one side and not try and talk about them? Well, I think it depends on your personality, doesn't it? Yeah. Because some people will talk about it and are really happy to discuss it. I think with miscarriage, it's difficult because you don't, you, when you've kind of gone through it, you're not sure how if any other people have gone through it. Yeah, if they and understand. So, yeah, yeah, so people that haven't been through it, it's they're never going to understand the feelings. Yeah. So you kind of don't want to put it on them, but it's amazing at how many people out there have experienced yeah. it. So if you can talk about it, try and talk about it because I do feel that it helps and yeah. that it's and it, and it's, it's a good thing 
to make people aware of because Definitely. you know it's it's not something to I think sometimes when you have a miscarriage you blame yourself for it because you mm. assume that you've done something wrong and there's a stigma attached to yeah. it isn't there and you probably haven't done anything wrong at all. No, not at all. But that's what goes on in your mind. You go, well, why can't I carry a child? What's yeah. wrong with me? Yeah. And that's why people, I think, don't necessarily talk about it. Well, it's so traumatic. You can understand why people don't. But if mm. there's people that do start talking about it, like you, then hopefully that's going to create a bit of a much domino more, effect yeah. as well. And people can start opening up in the mm. conversation. And what about the education system? Just wondering, like, obviously we get taught sex education at school. We mm-hmm. get taught about how babies are made, but we don't get taught about that some babies are actually lost and how often it happens. Like you said, it's so common. So I'm wondering if we should talk about baby loss at school more so we can enable girls to be more equipped when they're older. Because it is a natural thing that happens. It's, yeah. it's devastating, isn't it? But it does happen. So what do you think about it being factored in at school? If, if I'm honest, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing to mm. have it factored in somewhere. How they would do that, I'm not quite sure. But just making people aware that if it does happen, it, it, it can be quite a natural thing. You know, it doesn't mean to say there's anything wrong with you, but it might help prepare them yeah. for the emotions and the feelings that they will feel after it's happened. Knowing they're not alone and it yeah. does happen to other people. Absolutely. So it might not be a bad thing because, well, you know, when I was at school... Oh, yeah, we had sex education, but if I'm honest, I didn't even really give miscarriage a thought. I didn't even really right. know about it. I just assumed that, you know, if you were pregnant, you were going to have a baby and hadn't really registered about all the problems and complications that could be out there. Yeah. So perhaps fitting it in somewhere along the way is not a bad thing, really. No, definitely. And then just being open in your family as well. So you can be talking about that to Joshua now. and Well, yeah. he knows, obviously, I know. Um, and then eventually Isabella and just, you know, talking about things and families. I think a lot of generations before, they probably didn't talk about everything as much as we do now. And it's good that we are talking about more things now, yeah, aren't there? But there's probably still more work to be done. And so, yeah. Well, it's like with Joshua, we talk, we he's been through the whole journey with us. Yeah. So he's known about the miscarriages. He's known about Sunny. Again, per- that's a personal thing to us, but I didn't yeah. want to keep it away from him no. because I wanted him to be part of our family and I wanted him to know that yeah. it- it's just one of those things that happen, you know? Absolutely. And he was only three, but you can still tell if yeah. there's something going on in the family. Like, you know, they can pick up on everything. Exactly. So we didn't they? want him to think it was anything he'd done wrong. So mm. we were sort of making him aware of the situation. And he, he still talks about some now, you know? And even when we've been to the park and... Things like that. He's spoken to his friends. He'll go, oh, I, I nearly had a, bro- a little brother. And, yeah. and he just naturally talks about He's it. He's educating people because yeah. you've passed that to him. So did you tell him all the details or did you have to hold, hold some of it back? When he was tiny, we didn't. Um, mm. We just told him that, unfortunately, like Sonny couldn't make it and um, he was very poorly. So you use all like the words that a child will understand. Yeah. And he was just born sleeping. So we've always, we kept it like that for a long time. And then yeah. as he's got older, because now he's eight, yeah, he still doesn't know the full details of what you have to go through, but he understands a little bit more about the Patel syndrome. So yeah, he's got a little bit more. And he, he um, has spoken to his teachers about it. Yeah. And he's let them know that this is what happened to him and all that type of thing. So he, that's a really good thing for him because I think he understands it. So if it ever does, hopefully it won't to him. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully he can be quite a support to somebody. That's, uh... And it's nice that he feel, felt involved in the whole situation mm. as well because if he'd been kept in the dark, 
he'd been he'll know that something was going on, but he wasn't informed. Yeah. So he's and then he might yeah. worry that he was because like kids do start to think it's their fault, don't they? Yeah. So actually exactly. just sharing the information with him, let him know that everything was fine. Yeah. It wasn't fine, but to yeah. him it was fine. And they're yeah. resilient, aren't they, kids? Yeah. If they've got all the information, they are resilient and blunt as well. What has Joshua said surrounding your baby loss that others might not have said? Like when he was younger, he might have come up with something a bit more blunt yeah. that others might have said, thought was a bit awkward for them to say. Has he said anything funny? Um, yes, he said a few things. Because... Um, <laughs> Like when we, not that anyone would necessarily have, no one would have seen him, but yeah. um, like when he was born, his head was very red and yeah. um, because just their skin hasn't formed enough mm. so you can see all their blood vessels and stuff like that. And so, you know, as we're, I mean, you know, extremely upset and we're looking at this little baby and then you get Joshua just come in. Why is his head all red? You know, <laughs> so for him, and it kind of just lightens everything and yeah. it just makes it a bit more, you know, not not light-hearted because that's the wrong word but I suppose he just puts it into perspective a little yeah. bit really so we just had to explain to him you know he's not fully formed well he is fully formed but he's not grown yet so his skin is very very thin they're just so matter of fact aren't yeah, they and exactly. they ask questions they're not worried about what people think oh, as you get up to adults we worry don't we yeah. and that's sometimes why we don't ask the questions because we're going to be worried about what other people what? are thinking. And, and also, kids I think do that. as adults, we get scared because we don't want to say the wrong thing, yeah. do we? So we're kind of like, oh, you know, are so you sometimes okay? we don't say anything at all. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then, you know, you're asking somebody if they're okay, then you know they're not okay. So yeah. it's a real difficult one. It's like, you know, what do you say to somebody that's just lost a child? Yeah. But I think the main thing is, is just to say, I'm here for you. If you want to talk about it, then, yeah. you know. And acknowledging that they've gone through that and exactly. not ignoring it. And not As pretending that family member. just because the baby hasn't actually physically lived and breathed in this earth doesn't mean to say that that baby isn't important because, you know, it's still part of what would have been your family. Yeah. So absolutely. I think it's quite key just to not pretend that it never happened. Absolutely. So talking is definitely a good coping strategy and it was for you. Anything else that you've used that has helped you process the grief? Yeah, I suppose for me, um, obviously, yeah, talking, meeting other people, I found that really yeah. helpful. I found that even in, even with Ian, because obviously you forget about the men, don't you? Mm. You just naturally think, oh, it's always the women, but actually yeah. the men suffer too. Yeah, absolutely. But they have to be strong for you. Yeah. So what I was finding sort of with, with him is when we did go to these little groups, yeah. um, it was nice when there was other men there as well. They could have the conversation about how they yeah, felt the about it. The dads can actually chat about their feelings yeah. as well, which they don't get to do, like you say. And, like you know, there would be days where Ian would have been really strong for me because I wasn't coping very well. Yeah. And then there was another time where he wasn't coping very well. So then I would be able to be strong for him because your emotions are not it's not the same every day yeah so some days you do feel a little bit stronger and you go i can i can cope today i'm okay and then you so you can be supportive for that other person and then you might wake up the next day and not feel like that mm. but then again there's nothing wrong with your emotions kind of being all over the place absolutely so you're comforting and, and supportive to each other yeah so how did that affect your relationship then during that time and even as time's gone on how's that affected it yeah well, I think I think it brought us closer together because we were 
I mean, he was he was brilliant actually. He was a real rock, and he mm. made a lot of sense. He's very much um, he's very balanced in his thinking. So yeah, it, uh, you know, I'm not at all. I'm complete opposite, <laughs> and I could go and be all frantic, and then all of a sudden he'll he'll just calm me down. And mm. I think having somebody there that can do that makes a big difference. Yeah, and luckily, I you know I did have that. So I feel that our relationship got quite you know got much stronger. Yes, yeah, so you've actually come out stronger for yes, it. Yes, really, haven't you? So you mentioned the organisations and hopefully Ian got some support as well as you. So you've, so there was Springs Support, is it called? Yes, yeah, Springs. What's the website for that so, one? So um, springsupport.org.uk. Okay, brilliant. So if anyone's listening, they can check that one out. Any others that you've come across that are, that are real good support if anyone's listening and going through the same thing? There is another one that I didn't use, but apparently mm. there is one called Sands as well. Yeah. So um, so I just used one that was local to the yeah. Bournemouth and Pool area. But I think Sands, is it more sort of... More the UK one, yeah. is it? Yeah. So, um, you know, if there's no support in your local area and you feel yeah. that you need to sort of branch out to somebody else, then that was another one. That's amazing. So people can go on. So that's sands.org.uk as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So people can have a look at and yeah, find a bit of extra guidance and yeah, get their support that way. So I mean, yeah, what do you hope parents that are listening could gain from listening to this podcast and what your hopes for the conversations surrounding miscarriage and baby loss? Well, hopefully people from this conversation will just, and you know, it'll help them just come to terms with if they have had baby loss, so they've had a miscarriage, that they're not, they don't have to be alone. And it's not something they've done wrong. It's, it's one of those things that's happened and not to sort of beat themselves up about it either. And, you know, you can be sad and you can, you know, but the thing is, as long as you talk about it, if you possibly can, even if it's just with your partner, I think it's just a way of trying to help you get through it, but you have to have a coping mechanism that works for you. So if it is that you need to speak to a complete stranger, perhaps, you know, you know, speaking to somebody from an organisation or charity might be somewhere that, you know, might be quite helpful to people. Right, absolutely. And do you think people might have a fear of failure of it all happening again? Because obviously if you're going through these miscarriages, you think, oh, there's something wrong with me, I'm blaming mm. myself, and then they're going to stop trying. And Yeah, so and I'm how, sure there's what probably... What did you feel when you obviously kept trying, didn't you, to have did. Isabella? Yeah, so we had Joshua, no problems, no complications whatsoever with him. Mm. And then when we fell pregnant with Sunny, obviously that was a massive shock because we wasn't expecting any issues or complications. We were just expecting a really healthy little boy at the end of it. Yeah. So massive shock, really, to find out that, oh, my gosh, it can happen to you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not always just somebody else. Mm-hmm. It, it can actually happen to you. And then after that, having the other two miscarriages. Now, one of the miscarriages, I only was probably preg- really kind of realised I was pregnant for about a week. So I didn't kind of register that pregnancy quite yeah. as much as I did obviously with Sunny and they're then, really common as well aren't they yeah. they're the chemical pregnancies My, chemical miscarriage yeah. yeah so if you hadn't necessarily taken a test you wouldn't have even well, known necessarily no. you were pregnant no well, I had one of those did you yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of times but I think I knew I was pregnant and I took one and then, yeah, the next day or a few days later, I'd even signed up for the NCT group. Oh, really? Yeah, and yeah. then I had to say, oh, sorry, I don't need it anymore. That was a bit... I, I know that it wasn't very long, but it was just a bit kind of awkward in a way that yeah. I had to kind of re-email them. Because yeah. they are really common. They are they? really, really common. I know yeah. some people don't know they're pregnant at the time. No. So that was quite... That was a strange one because you kind of... Your body's still 
well, it's gone through the same process of being pregnant, but mm. then there's kind of nothing at the end of it. But because it's such a, your mind probably hasn't yeah. processed it. it. Hasn't you haven't gone through that longevity no. of feeling like you're going to have this baby, and then you had another one a bit later yeah, on, so didn't you? Ten weeks, so I miscarried yeah. on that one, and that was really tough actually yeah. because. Again, I was sort of in hope because I got to 10 weeks. My mind was going, oh, maybe this is going to be okay this yeah. time. And I was really positive. And then when it, I started it reading. a heartbeat, isn't there, at that yeah. time? I think. And um, I think I was just more shocked at how, you know, why? Why is this happening? What, you know, how do I get to 10 weeks? And then it kind of goes. Yeah. And then I had to go into hospital. I had to go to Bournemouth this time. And they um, did an internal just to check everything was gone because you have to make right. sure everything's out. Is Because that, that came out naturally. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, whether it's lucky or whatever, but I didn't have to go through anything else. I just, mm. They just needed to check. Because some people have gone. to have an operation, don't they, to remove if it hasn't quite... It's yeah. called a mis- miscarriage, I think, where yeah. you have to have an operation yeah, to so, remove it. And, you know, thank goodness I didn't need to go down that road right. because the baby had just gone. So, And then I chose to... We we literally said we're going to give it one more shot because right, it, I found it really stressful mm. trying to have another child. And luckily we had Isabella. Isabella. So she came along and she has her complications, she but does. she's, oh, she's a beautiful so little girl. Gorgeous. And, yeah. Oh, she's absolutely gorgeous. Such a little cheeky thing. I love her. She's so sweet. But yeah, like you say, she has got her own health problems and it has actually been quite touch and go with her, hasn't it? With her various operations and procedures. So, I mean, how how do you stay so strong and trust that you've obviously had all these miscarriages and and you've got Isabella now, but she has had some life-threatening procedures. How do you just trust that it's not going to happen again? You're not going to go through a similar situation? Yeah, I think with... You do have to put your total faith into people that work for the NHS mm. or doctors, consultants. Oh my God, the NHS are just amazing. And they right. really, I have to say for us, they have been absolutely amazing. Mm. You know, I found that they were really supportive. They were, they, they, would, they had empathy. So they wasn't, so they, they just explained things yeah. so well. It wasn't too clin- clinical. They actually had their yeah. feelings and supported yeah didn't they yeah so I just found that they were really positive and like our consultants um they one one of the consultants actually he was just incredible and he told it was very factual and told us exactly what how things were but that works for me because it makes sense to me because when they tell you right okay so you, you know this baby's got this this baby's got that it at least they're telling you what the baby's got. They're not yeah. kind of brushing over it. So I found them extremely supportive and very helpful. And, I, you know, like I say, you have to just put your trust in them. Mm. And I have to say for us, they have been pretty much what has happened. Yeah, they, it's, happened. it's been yeah. true. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't feel that I've had to... I mean, I know it's not always like that for everybody, but for my experiences, I have to say, they have been absolutely incredible. And I know I could have spoken to any of them at any point and they've been really supportive and they find you the help that you need as well. Yeah. And you could have had that fear of failure and not tried for Isabella, but you did. You picked yourself up. And I mean, you're strong, but what I really find amazing about you is how positive you are. So how would you stay extremely positive? How do you do that? Oh, do you know, I don't know, because sometimes I do think, crikey, how do I do you it? Do. But I do, I try to stay as positive as possible because you can't change anything, can you? So I could be down in the dumps about it all, but 
it doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah. And I still have, and you know, you know, lucky enough now I have two children and I have to be really strong for both of them. And, you know, I've had my down days, of course you do, but mm. you just kind of have your down days and get put them to one side and then you carry on again, you just pick yourself yeah. up and you know, busy lifestyles and you know, you try and see my friends, my family as often as possibly can, so that helps. Well, you're juggling all these identities as well. You're a mum of Joshua <laughs> and Isabella. You're a mum that's lost. You're a working mum. Yeah, exactly. You're a wife and everything. You know, you're doing so you much. You try to do everything. Yeah. But you have, I mean, I've, luckily, I just try to stay as positive as I can. And yeah. I don't let things get to me. You know, I try not to let things get to me. I mean, yeah. I, I do at times. But like I say, the stronger you can be, the better you sort of come out at the end of it. Because yeah. like I say, you can't change what's happened, can you? Yeah. It's awful. It's traumatic. But you kind of have to pick yourself up and carry on, really. Otherwise, where where would you be? You're an inspiration, and that's what the podcast is called, or Inspiring <laughs> Stories. So you sum it up perfectly, Vanessa. You've been on an absolute huge journey, and you've, you have come out of it even stronger than you were before. It's just incredible. And so you're a busy mum of two. What's also amazing is you're building up a very successful business. So tell us more about your business. So my business is, um, I work with people that have hair loss. Right. So this could be through, like I said, chemotherapy, so mm-hmm. anything that's medical. Um, it could be that this pregnancy, firstly, yes. is actually one links that can, quite well. Yeah, <laughs> can actually create hair loss. Yeah. Stress. So if you are under a lot of stress, it can create hair loss. So people you know, my mum is a lot finer. My mum's um, hair on her arms fell out when she was pregnant. Oh, did it Not really? her head. No, just her arms. She said she had really hairy arms. And actually, I think I my um, arms are less hairy, actually, since being a mum. Oh, really? It's really funny. Yeah. But she's got no hair on her arms at all. Oh, okay. But anyway, carry yeah. on. Sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm trying to help people that are struggling with their hair and their hair is yeah. um, not as strong or as, so it's got a lot finer. So it's mm-hmm. finding the reasons why it happens. And that links into people sometimes needing to have a wig or a hairpiece or mm. topper or something that can try and help them. Make them feel better. And feel better about yeah. themselves. Yeah, because your hair is massively important Absolutely. to you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for your self-confidence. And if it's gone, yeah. it's, you don't feel that person, the same person anymore. So no. to have a solution or find out the reasons why it's happening some people will be fine and will get on with it and, and you know embrace the fact that they're losing their hair yeah but there's a lot of people out there that won't so yeah. um yeah so that's my business i've decided to try and help others that is amazing situation so yes that's amazing and you've done your trichology course of course yeah that was a hard slog was a very hard slog because obviously I was like having pregnancies in yeah. me and like trying to juggle all of that. That's amazing and, um, as well. So it took me a lot longer than I was planned. Yeah. But very worthwhile. Yeah, you've got it. your salon, haven't you? Which is beautiful. Yes, got a little salon now. So I let, rent a little room in a, in a salon. So um, it's very private as well, yeah. which is great. So anybody mm. that is struggling or suffering with any form of hair loss. They're not going to be in the window. No. That we we can have a private room out the back and it's Brilliant. just yeah so they can be it they they've got the confidence that, to mm. come in and be able to tell me what they feel they need to tell me and then we can try and find a solution with it without everyone sort of looking at them and yeah. is your hair extensions as well do you? yeah yes. I, do, I do hair extensions mm. I only do tape in hair extensions yeah um because and for me the only reason why I do that is because when people are suffering with hair loss I don't want to put too much tension on the hair and yeah. these ones are really lightweight oh, so it, I find them the better ones to use yeah because it's really complimentary to what you're exactly, offering exactly yeah it? that's amazing oh what's the Instagram 
for your business. Vanessa.myhair. Vanessa.myhair. So people can search her on Instagram if yeah. they need any help with trichology. Excellent. Right, I want to end on a bit about Sunny. So when do you celebrate him? So um, we celebrate him when normally when it's to do with the baby loss awareness, actually. Yeah. So um, in, in October. So we do tend to, that's when the, we do our candle. Yeah. But to be honest, I think about him a lot all yeah, the time anyway. Sure I think of him every day. Yes, and he's with us, so we have him, and then that probably sounds very strange, but he is in a little pot mm-hmm. um, that is in my house. Was that when he, have, was he cremated? He was cremated, yeah. yeah. And I, the only reason why I've not actually put him anywhere is because I just wanted him with me all the time, and I love the fact that I can move him around my house and he's there. Yeah. So, um, for Take me, that's you. how it works. You mm. know, and you have to source your own. And other people might that. be different. Absolutely. Say. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that's um, so celebrating him is normally when it's uh, the awareness. Don't really celebrate birthdays because we're not 100% sure exactly when his birthday would be. We've yeah. got an idea. And actually, I, for me, it's not some, I don't celebrate it because he, was never, he wasn't here and yeah. I find that quite difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, but when I find it tough when it was the day that we obviously had to, to, get, yeah. to make that decision. So when he was born sleeping, that's yeah. a very tough day. I bet that is. Very, very yeah. tough. Yeah, I bet Mother's Day is quite tough. Yeah, Mother's, Mother's Day was. It's mm. got easier actually as it's gone on. And Joshua used to um, go out and get little things for me oh, from Sunny. Okay. So he's bought me a candle and he said, "This is not from me, Mummy. This is from Sunny." Oh, and that's so just it. And, and he has done that all off of his own back. That's not his dad's not told him to do that. And it's really sweet, yeah. I love him, he's so crazy, but he's so lovely as well. (laughs) Yeah, he is very crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Jack and Joshua, nuts. So, what do you think Sunny would have been like now? Probably (laughs) tear away. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you say? He'd he'd probably been really cheeky, I probably (laughs) was telling him off all the time. Um, No, he would be, I'm sure he would be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, blonde hair like both oh, yeah. of my children, really blonde, um, yeah. and probably crazy. But you don't know, do you? But you the way know. I like to sort of think about him is he would be a real character. Yeah, and part of was... your family, well loved. Oh, absolutely, yeah. he would be most definitely very well loved. He well, still is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. always think about him there every day. Well, that is such a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Good luck with everything that you've got going on over the next few months. I'm looking forward to seeing how your business grows. I'll be popping in to see it. And I'm sure we'll be catching up very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kiri. It was lovely. See you soon. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't already, please follow Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories on the podcast platform of your choice. And don't forget to share on the socials if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.